Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 59 of Taking You to the Top. My guest today is Pavel Titov. He's the founder of Formsable. Formsable is a funnel integrations platform created by marketers and entrepreneurs who wanted a simple way to build proprietary funnels based on landing pages and web applications without having to program custom API integrations with Google and Facebook. I look forward to learning more. Pavel, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Rami. My pleasure. So Pavel, before we get into the details of the company and what the company does, could you take us back maybe from the beginning, you know, tell us where you're from, a little bit about your upbringing and whether you were an entrepreneurial child? Sure. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a small town near Moscow in Russia. And I'm not sure if that affected. So I was growing up in the 1990s, and that's been a time of a huge change in Russia when the country was uh, basically switching from socialist planned economy to capitalist economy. Right. And uh, entrepreneurs was probably the most um, most desired job f- for everyone at, at, at that point. I think that might have affect, affected me. But then when I started to grow up, I started to see more of uh, more of an impact it can do. And I, I, I suppose I was lucky. I still remember when I was in school uh, reading uh, the book by uh, Bill Gates, Business at the Speed of Thought. And right. uh, like, uh, which was, I think it's, it was 10 years ahead of its time. And it's still like, I, I still think a lot of companies should not, 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 not do everything that that book from 1990s said to do. Um, so, it's, so it's, it's a combination of that. And then obviously it, it, it did combine with a sort of sense of uh, using entrepreneurship to uh creatively help other people to create something of value. I think that's a very important part of entrepreneurship for me. Sure. But I mean, when you, when you were growing up in school, were you selling anything? Were you known for maybe, you know, the lemonade stand type thing and selling, I don't know, baseball cards to other kids at school, you know, that kind of thing? Not really, no. I think my first uh, journey to uh, entrepreneurship was... It was still in school, but uh, it was around 1999 when I worked in, I started to do websites for, for affiliate marketing because the startups at that time were paying enormous amounts of money for getting visitors of their websites because their investors thought that the visitors would necessarily transform into revenue and profits. And even though that was not really happening, there was right. a sense of that would happen. So they... Uh, were paying in or you know very significant for for a school kid money to get people on their websites and that's what I was doing 
Sure. So I, you know, the, the very first thing I did was online. Okay, got it. And uh, before you founded Formidable, um, did you work in any other companies? Uh, at, at, at first mix, so my first, uh, my first job was in my own company. So after finishing school, I started a web hosting company. And oh, okay. I ran it for a few years. It's been, it's been quite big in Russia. It's, uh, we've been part of, uh, been in top 50 web hosting providers in, in the country. Okay. And uh, I think uh, we probably were the first to offer a platform as a service for Ruby on Rails web hosting and certain, you know, certain niche services. It's been doing quite well. And after doing that, I moved to do, uh, I moved to uh, do my master's in the UK and uh, found a job here when I joined a startup that was uh, making software for, for online betting. Okay. Uh, so uh, I worked there for several years. I started in London, then moved back to Russia. We opened a development office in, 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 in Moscow, which I ran for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then after, after, uh, after doing that for a few years, I, I, I realized I wanted to do something of my own again. And I started to um, uh, basically to see what, what of my skills and what of the knowledge I have, what of my experiences, uh, what is relevant to the market. Correct. And that's really what led to, to my existing company. So the way it worked was I started to look for, first I started to look for contract jobs and mm-hmm. see what, uh, who, who would pay most for, for what I know, for what I can do personally. And that uh, sort of led to um, working for mainly two types of customers. So I was doing, um, I was helping uh, startups to do MVPs of their software products. And I was helping companies to implement proprietary integrations, proprietary CRM systems um, and uh, solutions like that. So that that did grow into a sort of a small agency, but I never really wanted to do it as an agency business. So I, I kept seeing what are the opportunities to productize what uh, what what I was doing and something in in what I was doing. So after a while, I realized that there's a, that that very there's a lot of similarities how businesses that sell online and advertise online to pay down online. How they see um, uh, how they see their customer journey and how they want to un- understand, analyze uh, performance of ad campaigns, and and the challenges they're facing because really what in in in, in certain types of that that business like software as a service or selling direct to consumer or the shop solutions don't necessarily work or or, or limiting you. And uh, I started, I started, I, I, I did a few proprietary integrations in, in that sector and then realized there's a way to approach that from a more holistic perspective and started to offer that and that, that worked. That's how Formtable was born. Okay, got it. So if, if I'm a new client, how would you describe what Formtable does? Well, I mean, it tells, yes. Uh, the audience are may not be, Hundred percent technical, so they may, you know, if you could give us an overview of how certainly, it works. Certainly, uh, it tells you where ninety-nine percent of your paying customers come from. Okay, so that's especially important if you advertise online. 
because you, 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 for a number of reasons, you want to, first of all, it, it gives you a full picture of what of your ad campaigns, uh, how, 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 how ad campaigns perform. Okay. And it's, it's, it's not an analytic solution. It doesn't really have a proper user interface. So it sends data back to Google Analytics and sends data back to ad platforms. So you can go in there and see, uh, you know, very detailed what demographics clicks on ads what okay. uh, you know what creatives perform and and so forth so is there like a b testing and different options uh, what uh, what is it tracking exactly so it's tracking each customer right so when a customer clicks uh, when somebody clicks on an ad that visitor right. gets to a website so we start tracking that ad click at that point. And then when that visitor converts to a lead, there's a way to, for example, associates the lead, you know, the, uh -huh. the person associates with that website user, with website visitors, the person who clicked uh, there. Um, at this point, there's not, not much special going on. The special part happens in the next step because Formsable is able to track your revenue. So it doesn't really track uh, it, well, I mean, it tracks website lead, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is to understand where the revenue came, comes from. And so when a revenue happens, which depending on a business, it could be a subscription payment through something like Stripe. It might be it might be deal closed with a client and marketers closed in, in a CRM. It might be uh, for, a, for a web app, it might be some sort of automated metrics that what, what services are rendered and we know that they will be invoiced in the end of months, for example. Okay. Uh, so, and then it gets that revenue and attributes that to the original visitor and original ad click and sends the purchase of and sends the revenue back to all ad platforms, back to analytics. So it all knows what customers buy and also allows if uh, people using something like Facebook ads, it allows Facebook to optimize ads a lot because it starts, it's, it knows... Um, it knows who buys from you. And once it does it, once it does it, it's able to use so much data it has about its users to target the ads better. It's just incredible um, improvement in that. But um, that kind of works at a, at a higher volume. And then the lower volume what works is it able to send, for example, is able to send to CRM that user identify tracked. So you could go into, say, Google Analytics or similar solutions. Mm -hmm. and, and, and look up the entire journey of a particular customer. So if you're only starting to sell, if you're only starting to offer something, you could understand how this particular person that bought from you, how that person was interacting with the website, what, what that he or she was interested in. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really being regarding of where you are in, in your business because if you're just starting, it allows to much better um, improve how you communicating your products and services to the customers. And if you're bigger, it allows to save money on advertising by uh, understanding what ads work and which ads don't work. Okay, so ju uh, just to understand, does it have to start off with an ad or for example, can it, let's say somebody is not doing, uh, is not spending on ads and he just wants to know how the flow through their site led to i mean today you know there's a i've seen some softwares before where it tells you hot spots sort of on the site where people linger to read specific information and because of that 
they then click the buy now button, for example. Right. I mean, uh, we're not really doing that. And I okay. think uh, I, our customers not really interested in that, in that depth. Again, it's sure. usually uh, when a company starts trading and understands, we, we need to understand like who our customers are. And a lot of companies operate in a, in a, in a situation when they roughly know where half of their customers or 70% of their customers come from. Right. And some businesses happen with that, but the businesses who are not happy with that become, for example, clients. Okay, got it. And uh, did you launch the company just in 2020? Uh, yes, the, yes, that's correct. So the initial prototype was uh, built in 2019, but it wasn't okay. really a product. It was just a prototype using a couple of websites to, to see that that concept works. Okay. And yes, it's been launched in the late spring 2020, right? Okay. And um, how, how's the revenue model for, for your business? Is it purely SaaS or are you integrating any agency or some you know, additional support sort of for bigger companies? Uh, that's a good question. It's hard to tell exactly at this stage. Uh, right now it's a mix. So there's SaaS for okay. tracking. And uh, but sometimes there's uh, an extra implementation. It really depends how much resource customer have on their side to integrate that with okay. the rest of their system. Sure, I mean that makes sense. And uh, what does company team size look like today? Uh, so there's several of us, uh, okay. a couple of developers, uh, people who do marketing as well. So it's it's, mm -hmm. it's mixed team. And are they? Uh, Based in London as well, or uh, remote? No, we we all distributed team. We all distributed team. Oh, okay. Fantastic. And and it's also a mix. Like part of the team are full time remotes. Part of the team, as for some roles, we decided not to hire yet and just use use contractors where we need a specialized skill at sure. very high level for for a short period of time. Okay. Uh, Pavel, let's take a quick break to thank our first sponsor and we'll jump right back in. Our first sponsor is a company called TopTal. They have a global network to top talent in business, design, and technology that enables companies to scale their teams on demand. TopTal serves thousands of clients, including Fortune 500 companies and innovative startups, delivering expertise and world-class solutions at an unparalleled success rate with elite freelancers in over 100 countries. TopTal connects a top 3% screen list of the world's top talent with leading companies in days, not weeks. Visit toptal.takingyoutothetop.io. That's T-O-P-T-A-L dot takingyoutothetop.io and get an 80-hour no-risk trial period so you only have to pay if you're satisfied with the work. Get started hiring with TopTal today. Okay, uh, Pavel, I would like to jump into the economics uh, to, to understand how the business is set up in terms of are you bootstrapped or have you raised capital? Certainly. Um, so, so it's, yes. No, uh, please go ahead. So the, uh, we're still bootstrapped as of, as of now. And uh, I think through, through different periods, the, the understanding when to raise capital did change. And I think 
when when I was just starting, there was a feel that it might be beneficial to get uh, to, to get to get seed funding earlier rather than later mm-hmm. uh, to to start building the network to start to start building building uh, the credibility with investors. And uh, there's so many positive things about uh, taking money early on that uh, you know you 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 hear in this industry. Uh, however, when actually approaching that, the drawback uh, quickly became evident that uh, the, the current market, the expectations of investors, even on seed and pre- pre-seed stage, uh, in terms of uh, how how polished the pitch should be, how detailed the, not the business plan, but the pitch deck, how, how, how good that it should be, how, how big the team should be. It's just uh, at a certain point, it became uh, obvious that it started to detract from building the product and serving the customers. And that was when um, I decided to keep to running the company bootstrapped for um, as long as possible, basically, to get to a point when it will be a self-sustaining business. And then I think there's certainly opportunities for expansion when we will be looking to raise capital. Right. Uh, So basically when when things have stabilized and you're ready to scale, then raise to push uh, that as quickly as correct. possible. Correct. I think I, th- I, th- I think so. I think so. It's again. It's it's not as much about stability. But, uh, it's it's like it's a startup. You have to risk to to do something new. But it's right. more about uh, about about balancing uh, the resources and not uh, not 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 spreading the focus towards raising capital away okay. from this product and away from marketing uh, as, as long as that's possible. Okay, got it. And w- would you have a preference um, towards, you know, giving equity or debt? Because that's usually a thing that a lot of people struggle with. Do they want to give up all the hard work or not all of it, but a chunk of it? Or do you see debt as being an option as well? I think both are option. I mean, uh, I, I, I would feel, I always felt a bit uneasy when uh, equity is money for uh, working capital used through equity or when debt is taken to invest in R&D. I think as, as long as they used appropriately, they, they, they just need to be used appropriately, right? So if, if the business is looking to expand to, to new area when there's genuine risk involved, that makes sense to share equity and significant portion of equity to the investor. But right. uh, if, 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 if a business is operating and growing and uh, they just need for working capital, I think in that situation, um, the debt might be more preferable. Right. No, I agree. Uh, Pavel, are you able to give us, you know, an idea, a general idea of what revenue looks like today? Um, I mean, it's still it's still very early stage. Uh, we're still working with, uh, you know, the first uh, the fir- the first customers. We build customers one by one at this point, okay. and looking into making the best experience for our pilot customers to understand their businesses better, to understand their needs better, and. Uh, we're not really at a point when that kind of, that figure makes sense. Okay, sure. Um, I'm not sure if this next question would be appropriate or not either uh, in terms of how COVID has impacted the company. Uh, have like, you seen any... 
Yes. Any major things you've had to change or you had to pivot to, uh, you know, adapt to, to COVID? Not really, no. I mean, the, the, the original idea was uh, designed for, uh, for online marketing. And, right. um, okay. and, and, and we launched after, after COVID happened. So it wasn't really... I, I have a feel that it did, uh, it did improve the market for us because so many businesses started to focus on online marketing more. Um, sure. Start to pay more attention to online marketing and also the fact that, that it became more... Um, more competitive space for our clients, so they have to be more conscious about uh, what advertising they, they they are doing. So it's it, it impacted, but indirectly like that. Indirectly, okay. It just, but it, it, it I, I think it's, it's it made much faster. The changes that already have been happening in the markets was businesses trying to move away from offline operations to online try mm-hmm. to automate what's possible, try to understand their customers better, try to target smaller niche of customers, things like that. They just accelerated them a lot. Sure. Okay. Uh, this next section is about launching a company, the validation stage, and then marketing. So was w- when you created this company, was it something, you know, to serve your own needs first. And then you saw that, okay, other people will also need this like I did, or how did you validate your idea? Uh, that was a mix of, of both. So I, I spoke in the beginning a bit about how, uh, how, how that idea surfaced, that it, it did surface from the fact that a lot of companies have been doing, uh, a, lot, a lot of my customers, my previous business were doing uh, similar types of marketing data integrations. And I, I realized that my, my opinion to, to do universal product, but it did coincide. It, it happened same time when I uh, started to, uh, using online ads to market my own business. And uh, some of my friends were uh, selling online and, and they had the same challenges. And it was just uh, very hard to grasp why there's no solution once when you're selling online and you, and, you, and you need to get hold of data, there's no real solutions for small and medium-sized businesses. There are some for, for large corporations, but they, uh, not really, uh, they can't really be used for, for by smaller businesses. And by smaller, I mean, we still talk about companies that might be 50 or 100 per person, having multi-million revenue. Um, so that that certainly felt like a niche and then the validation part it, i mean it's been it's been kind, kind of i think it's typical this day so i built a landing page i started to advertise it um i received one lead after spending a uh, hundred dollars i think I, I i realized that if a lead to sale conversion is going to be around 20 percent they will be breaking even basically so okay. that was the first thing and then i started to get actual customers which was through but basically, because because I had a, had a sales pipeline built by, for my previous business, instead of offering a proprietary software development, I started to offer software as a service, and that worked. So that was really the I think the point when uh, it confirmed that that people, you know, their customers who want to pay for this. And when. when... When do you decide that something is validated? I mean, everybody has a different opinion, but for yourself, is it when you get your first paying client or 
do you wait it out a little bit? Because, you know, sometimes people get that first client and then no more come through the door. Yes. Um, it's, I think it's a mix, right? Because having, uh, well, it, uh, like you're right, it's probably about a way to consistently get more and more paying clients. But it comes down to whether you do your marketing right, whether the product market fit is right, whether you understand what segments buying the product and why they're buying it and what pains do they have. And uh, once uh, the right things, you know, once you know that, it becomes a question of uh, just, just, just getting that right and then either changing the market or changing the product, uh, at least. You know that that's the way I see. If 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 the product solves real, real, real customer pain, it should be. But uh, like the more customers you get, it just keeps keeps adding that details about markets. So so, so the cost of acquisition ideally uh, gets lower, be, simply because you know who are your customers and who are not your customers. Right. So and, for, for example, in my case, like some, some of the industries I was uh, thinking to target, it, it became evident that they're not really uh, in, in need of this product. And uh, some other industries that I didn't necessarily prioritize, I realized that most, most of the customers come from, from, from certain industries and from a certain segments in that industries. And once, uh, once you see that pattern, it just makes it a lot easier to find more of them. Sure. So you would sort of build like an avatar or a persona. Who Correct. Who but what, what, what I'm trying to say, it happens. Uh, I've, I found a very effective way to do it, very efficient way to do it, is uh, to do that uh, in sort of, uh, you know, in cycles uh, and, and keep repeating the customer discovery process. So I, I started with this very rough persona of entrepreneur that sells online and now we work with uh in each vertical where our customers are, that they're different personas and they're different sales processes or different decision makers and they have different pains. Right. And even, even though they using the same product to solve it and, and, and the funnels uh, to be honest look kind of different, but similar, but uh, it's, uh, it, 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 the depth and the level of understanding, it, I, it just keeps, growing and just keeps feeding back into that so I, th I think it's very important as you start selling basically you're selling as a way to uh to understand the market to understand to understand what shifts to understand what people are buying right and, and i'm assuming and as well with persona and, yeah i'm assuming that with every vertical you discover that you need to approach approach them a different way uh that's correct. I mean, uh, it's 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 still because you try, especially when you're starting, you try you try not to spread out to too many verticals. So right. I I think large part of how, how different that's going to be, it's still yet to see, but potentially yes. And what would you say is has been the most effective marketing channel for this outreach? Is it Google PPC or social media or what? What did you find to be the most effective? Uh, it's hard to tell yet. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not qu quite ready to tell that. We're still. We're still uh, starting number one by one. We're still. Uh, we're about to launch the PPC campaign, for example. So okay. I can't just can't answer that at this point. No problem. And um, what do you think of podcasts as a marketing channel? Have you done many podcasts? 
Not really, actually. That's that must be the first one. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> okay, so a bit early to answer that question. So, how 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 do you usually find that? Do do people uh, use your podcast as a way to sell their services, or? I think quite a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. But it's more, it's more of a numbers game. What I understood from a lot of people who I asked this question to is it's not going to work with one podcast. Right. So if you do like 10 podcasts a month, then you're exposed to every host's audience. All right. So right. The, it slowly grows from there. So, so it's about it would have to be over. I Sorry. See. So it's about rec- brand recognition. Correct. I mean, brand recognition, you know, sometimes maybe somebody in my audience specifically likes what you're offering, but the next uh, host's audience are all technical and they love it. Right. So, I mean, it's all about which podcast or which niche of podcast you, you know, focus on. Yeah. Okay, um, I guess the last question in this validation and marketing section is how important is your website and SEO to your oh, discovery of yeah. new clients? I, th- I think it's absolutely critical. I mean, the website is main uh, selling point for us and uh, the, w- the way it's structured, which I think is typical for SaaS startups, really. But uh, so there's a main part of the website which describes uh, the product in general. And uh, we also have uh, doing uh, specialized landing pages that provide, uh, provide advice, more um, sort of individual, uh, high-level view for individual uh, verticals, individual interest industries to understand how... We're trying to help our customers to understand how they could sell better and advertise better and market their services better. And really, a lot, a lot of the advice there, it's, it's not really... It potentially can be done without FormSable. FormSable just makes it a lot easier to, to implement sure. the tracking analytics that's required for that. Um, as for SEO, we're not really getting... I mean, it was, we started less than a year ago, so we get some organic traffic, but uh, in terms of... Uh, I, I don't think there are any conversions from that yet because simply because there's uh, so, so, so little or, of organic traffic. Right. And uh, uh, the other part is... Uh, the way I see SEO is it should be effective when you're able to share rather than... Uh, creating content to, to, to match right keywords well, when you're able to share something something of value and that's what really uh, motivates me so like for example recently we published a report for uh, how how sales funnels built and uh, tracked in in SaaS businesses so that uh, it's I mean it's it, it was just published but I see that as one of the most uh, probably valuable pieces of content on the, on the website. And uh, I want to keep growing um, the SEO part by, by adding something of value to, to our clients where we could share what we see in terms of trends in, in their businesses, being able to look how, how different business build, businesses build their funnels to, to sort of find, find a pattern and make a blueprints, make recipes for, for other companies to use for, our, you know, for our customers to 
uh, use best practices adopted in their industries. Sure. Uh, out of curiosity, what platform did you use to build your website? So the first step was uh, using WordPress, but that sort of quickly was um, thrown out uh, mainly because of the designs, but I, I found it very hard to uh, adapt the WordPress templates to the particular right. um, to our marketing message. They weren't okay. really, they were well designed visually, but they weren't, uh, that, <clears throat> that visuals weren't really fitting the, the, the marketing messaging we had. So that was initially replaced with, with a few plain HTML websites and that was the initial landing page for, uh, for, for validating the market. Uh, now it's been moved to Ruby and Rails platform uh, for the reason of um, so, some, some portions of our website, uh, they, it just allows, make, 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 makes it a lot faster to, uh, it's, it's a good compromise between WordPress and uh, static HTML for us, really, because it right. allows to 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 have to, to reuse pieces of pages on other pages and um, mix and match content in that way and make the dynamic parts of the website and doing something like that in H in static HTML is uh, almost impossible and doing something like that in WordPress would just uh, introduce a big overhead, big development overhead to adapt that um, marketing website logic to the WordPress um, ecosystem. Sure. And, and which host are you using out of curiosity for your domain? Uh, well, we use our own VPS, which is currently on Renode. <laughs> okay. No, that makes sense. Okay, Pavel, we'll just take another quick break to thank our second sponsor, then we'll wrap up. Our second sponsor is a company called Bluehost. If you have a business idea and simply want to put it out there, you'll need a domain name and a flexible WordPress site that needs to be hosted on a reliable server. Bluehost is your one-stop shop for all things web hosting. From design and marketing services to easy-to-use website builders, they are with you every step of the way. Thanks to their 24-7, 365 days a year live support, which you can get via chat, phone, and email. And any and all questions you have can be answered in no time at all. Bluehost offers unlimited disk space and bandwidth, an easy-to-use control panel, one-click WordPress installs, and more. Visit bluehost.takingyoutothetop.io today. That's B-L-U-E-H-O-S-T dot taking you to the top dot I-O and get a free domain name for the first year. And you'll also get free SSL security certificate with any of their affordable hosting packages. Start your entrepreneurial journey with Bluehost today. All right, Pavel. So to wrap up, um, what's one thing you'd like my audience to take away from this interview? I think the most important bit is if you're doing a business, listen to your customers, what your customers want, understand why they want that, and look for a product market fit, understand uh, how different customers might be different, decide what the segments are, decide who you're serving, and uh, make uh, serve, choose who you serve, and 
offer the best product or the best service to your customer. Okay. And Pavel, where can people get in touch with you? I think LinkedIn would be the best venue. LinkedIn. Perfect. Okay, Pavel, let's wrap up with the famous five. Sure. Uh, number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, my favorite probably still, um, like in terms of in terms of book about a business, I, I find uh, Business at a Speed of Thought by Bill Gates. It's a very old book, but it's uh, very, very good in uh, communicating the essentials. And in terms of running my own business, I think uh, Disciplined Entrepreneurship by Bill Ollett was a complete revelation, like in terms of the system it provides for uh, organizing the marketing efforts, for organizing uh, how you build uh, how you build an, uh, a business it, it, it's very incredibly helpful to, to provide a framework to, to, to navigate in this uncharted world of entrepreneurship Sure. Um, number two is there a CEO you're following or studying I, I don't think I, I, I want able to name just one I'm okay. uh, trying, trying to look and, and understand the different actions, how different companies perform. I found actually the, the, the very good um, bit of information that sometimes reveals uh, interesting facts was reading annual reports. I think okay. it's just such an uh, under, under, underrated tool. But if, 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 you, if you know where to look and get through all that um, marketing to investors there's sometimes very interesting bits about how a company positions itself strategically or how a company uh, or even organizes its sales process. And that's uh, sometimes uh, just by looking into that details, how uh, the businesses we all use and love run, that was very, very helpful. Fantastic. I haven't heard that one before. That's, that's a good one. Okay, number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business other than yours? Uh, I don't have a single one. I think I would probably say Facebook ads and Google ads, just modern ad platforms because uh, they offer so much segmentation and they offer a um, great way to understand who... Um, because they offer a way to target... An, a very niche segment and see right. how that segment uh, interacts and see what sort of people from that segment, what sub segments are interested uh, by, you know, by demographics, by countries, cities, all the details. It's, uh, it's just brilliant way to do the marketing, not just advertise. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, I know this is not part of the famous five, but it brought up another question. Mm -hmm. When you're, when you run a, Let's say somebody's just starting out today and yes. they want to run an ad campaign. How mm -hmm. much budget do you think is sufficient to get some sort of good feedback? Uh, it depends on, uh, it really depends because different audiences would have drastically different price of, 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 of a single click. Right. And depending on your conversion rate, you might need hundred clicks to validate something. You might need a thousand clicks. Uh, uh, okay. The other thing to take into consideration that uh, because uh, if the audience is wide enough and the budget is small enough, you always have to budget for 
um, like first, uh, usually first few days of running an ad uh, might be different. Uh, the performance of that would be different. Might be better, might be worse, but it would be different from the performance uh, like a week or two into running that ad. So sure. uh, just, it's, it's um, I think pro probably a few hundred dollars is an absolute minimum, I would say. Okay. Um, so ideally tr try to do as much as uh, possible of, of market research of uh, building the customer persona before before approaching that. Okay, absolutely. Uh, number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I think listen to yourself and uh, in a way of uh, listen to everybody else's advice and make decision by yourself. What do you, what do you think would be best for you? Uh, just just to minimize the regrets, I, I found that a very useful um, approach to life, and I would, I, yeah, I would have, I would have wanted to know it earlier. Okay, and the final one is how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Quite a few, eight to nine, I would say. Oh, fantastic! Are you tracking your sleeping hours, or is it just sort of? Clockwork. Uh, sometimes, uh, not regularly, because I usually, if 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 I sleep when I want to sleep, I get that amount, so I didn't find a need to track it. Okay. All right, Pavel. Thank you so much for joining me today, and you know, giving us some insight into your business. Um, I hope everything goes well for your company, and maybe we could have a follow-up call a year from now to see what's happened with Formsable. Thank you, Armi. Certainly. I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.